0: Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message.
1: Amen. Amen. Y'all go ahead and have a seat. Yes. We worship our king today. Hey, as you go ahead and sit down, I want you to ask your neighbor this question, and I want you to not think about it when you ask or when you respond, okay? The question is from Jamie Ivy when she has a new member on her podcast or when she just meets somebody new. She wants to know who they are, and she feels like this is a really good question to ask right at the beginning. So ask the question, would you rather be rich or famous? Ask each other. You don't think about it. Just answer really quick. Would you rather be rich or famous? Answer quickly. Quickly. Okay. So uh, my answer to that would instantly be famous. I want to be famous. And when I was really little even, I was like, God, in my Christmas play, when I'm wearing this ginormous cardboard star that's painted in silver and it looks ridiculous, someone's going to notice me, and I'm going to be in Les Mis on Broadway. Like... I wanted to be famous. That was really at the base of who I was. And guys, uh, at the base of me, that played out in every serving role I've ever had, whether that was uh, teaching like little tiny kids that were two and three, I wanted to make it big and be miraculous (laughs) and whatever. I wanted to be famous. And that played along in the rest of my life, whatever circumstance I was in, I was kind of hoping that I would get noticed And that the the Lord would promote me and he would do amazing things. And I was all excited about that. And what's true is God does want to use me and God wants to use you, but something was wrong and very, very faulty in my thinking. It was all about me. It was all about me. I wanted to be famous, I wanted to be noticed, I wanted to be promoted, right? And there's something really honestly at the base of most of us that would say, yeah. Maybe you don't want to be famous, that's fine, but you want to be noticed, right? And it's honestly deep in the part of who we are because God wants us to seek out his fame and his renown. And we get it jumbled in our minds because we want to make it all about us. Now last week we had our ministry fair and 38 of y'all signed up in addition to those who are already serving. Excellent work, y'all. Because here's what's true. We need to partner with God. God wants to use us to do incredible things But we need to reshape how we think about it, right? We often are thinking about this something to achieve, this something to arrive at. Maybe for some of you, it's, I got to graduate college. Maybe for some of you, it's, man, I really want to find that boyfriend, that significant other. Maybe for some of you, it's, I'm looking for that high-paying job, and once I arrive at that high-paying job, everything will work itself out. Maybe it's, Lord, we just really want kids. Whatever it is, we think that once we arrive at that thing, everything's going to be good. We need to flip that on its head today. And we need to remember let's say it together the process is the purpose. Can you say that? The process is the purpose. We like to think that arriving at something is the purpose for our lives. But God is saying, No, I am working in and through you along the way, and I'm developing your character, I'm developing your abilities. It's not about arriving, it's about the process along the way in which God changes your heart to look more like his. Sound good, right? Okay, so here's what we tend to say. We want to say, but I need to be true to myself. I've got to do this because this is who I am. I need to be seen like me and my star when I was like a little 10-year-old. Time is running out, y'all. i got to get to this. I'm ready now. I want to get to this right now. Or maybe we think the world needs what I have to share. I need to be the next influencer on Instagram or TikTok. I need to make sure that everybody knows because I have the solution that they need. Or maybe we go, I'm sure God said that this is what I'm supposed to do. And maybe some of those things have a modicum of truth, but here is actually what's true. God may have those plans for you in the future, but right now, he wants to develop the character in you and the dependence on him so that he can promote you to the next thing. It's about the character building along the way. It's not just about that end thing to achieve. It's about the character, right? Okay, we see this even very early in the Bible. The Israelites, God said, hey, you are my chosen people, and I have a promised land for you. I'm going to rescue you from the Egyptians. You're not going to be stuck in slavery anymore, and I have something big for you. But you know what he says in Exodus 13, 17 through 18? He says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. There was a shorter way. But God said, If they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. God sometimes leads us the longer way, but I promise you, it's the wiser way. We may think that we are here to fix things, but it's actually God who wants to fix you. If you get to your goal now before the process has taken place, listen, you will be a false fix. You'll be like a golden calf instead that those Israelites tried to just worship. You will be a lesser God in whatever is next because you were trying to make yourself the solution instead of leaning into God. So what's our solution? We have this problem. We want it to be all about us, and we want to arrive at our thing. But the real solution is that we need to let God work in us so that he can work through us. Okay, in James 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature." Complete, not lacking anything, I want to be mature and complete. I want to walk with the Lord through the whole process so that He gets the most glory, right do you so what's true of God and his timing what can we what can we anchor ourselves in today for sure well in proverbs sixteen nine, he says that he determines our steps, so it is in his, in the heart of man he plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We got all the things that we want to do, but really what's true, y'all, God says, put your foot here. Okay, now put your foot here. Put your foot here. He is determining, determining our path. What else is true? Y'all, he is faithful to prune the thing that is dead in you that he knows it's not, it's not bearing fruit or maybe it's pulling away from the real thing that he wants to do in your life. He's going to prune it. It says in John 15 too, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, wait, wait, wait. Every branch that does bear fruit? Oh, wait, so it's still bearing fruit, but no, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. Mm-hmm. Guys, my my dad grew up on a farm, and he, if you know my dad, he's adorable and I love him so much. He cracks me up though, because I would think some of the things that you'd like innately know from growing up on a farm are like, you gotta prune things. But he has this whole wall on the side of his house, it's full of rose bushes. And these rose bushes, They reach all the way to the third floor of his house, and they're beautifully tall. They don't really produce many flowers because he hasn't pruned them back. That whole bush at its very base is trying so hard to push stuff, push nutrients through this really tall thing. It doesn't have enough energy to make fruit, to make flowers right where it matters, God, though, he's saying, even if there is fruit, I'm going to prune some of this stuff back because I want to make sure that you are really fruitful, that you are really efficient. What else? God plans time for fruit. You may not have this excellent life all the time. It ebbs and flows, right? What does it say in Psalm 1:3? He, the righteous man, the man who trusts in the Lord, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So this is what we know about God. He's faithful in his timing. He determines our steps. He prunes us. He bears fruit when it's time. And he's telling us today, y'all, the process is the purpose so we want to be used by God we want to be used by God in our workplaces in our homes in our relationships in our serving roles here at church so the question we're going to ask today and we're going to dive in is how do we I, try that again how do I become an effective servant how do I become an effective servant like God I want you to use me to the full extent that you can but how do I do that so today we're actually going to look, we're going to compare and contrast two different kings. If you take, your, take a look up at the screen, it kind of looks like a pill, but it's supposed to be a Venn diagram. Okay, so we have these two kings. We've got King Saul. He was the very first king of the Israelite nation. Then we've got King David, and he was the very second king. They both were chosen by God out of hundreds of men. They both were anointed by Samuel, the priest, on God's behalf, and they both stepped into the kingship. But we see some rare, very distinctive things about Saul and David when we look at their whole story. Well, Saul, he is liked, and he looks kingly, and he gets an instant position. I mean, there was never a king before, and instantly he becomes king, and he's very self-confident, and he also ignores the counsel of Samuel. On the flip side, we see David. David, he's this obscure little shepherd boy and, he, a boy, and he's small, and he is prepared in secret. There's a long time before he becomes king, from the time that he's anointed to the time that he becomes king. He's confident in God, and then he's reliant upon good counsel. So today, we're going to take kind of those four things that we are comparing and contrasting on the sides, we're going to boil them down. So number one, how do I become an effective servant? We prioritize the right voice. We prioritize the right voice. There are many voices out there telling us what to do and what to believe and what we need to do next, but we need to elevate God's voice above them all. Pastor Stephen Furtick, in his book, Crash the Chatterbox, says, the direction of our lives is mostly determined by the voices we respond to. The direction of our lives is mostly determined by the voices we respond to. So let's take a look at this. First Samuel, we're going to look at Saul first. In 1 Samuel 9, verses 1 and 2, it says, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing. Okay, so Saul already comes from a family of standing whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Vaphia, of Benjamin. I did not, I don't know, those, I could be saying those wrong, but that's fine. He has a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, ahead. head taller than any of the others. So the voices around Saul right now are saying he's impressive, he's without equal, he is tall. He should be king. That's what we think. All right, now let's contrast that now with the next king, David, in 1 Samuel 16 verses 6 through 7. When they arrived, meaning Samuel the priest and his assistant, he saw Eliab. Samuel was sent to go find this man Jesse and his sons and anoint one of Jesse's sons to be the next king. So Samuel rolls up and he sees Eliab, who is the eldest of Jesse's sons. And he sees him and thinks, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't consider his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at, but man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There's people all around us who judge us by what we look like, right? But God is saying, listen, it's about your heart. And then let's keep going. 1 Samuel 16, verses 11 through 12. Now, now he's actually looking around and Samuel asks Jesse, um, are these all the sons that you have? Jesse replies, they're still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him for he's the one. In that circumstance, Jesse, the father, was completely discounting David altogether. David was out in the field and Jesse was like, he's the baby of the family. I don't, don't, he doesn't matter. I'm not even going to bring him to this festival, this feast that we're going to have. David had some people up against him. His father didn't consider him worth being part of the circumstance. His brother later on got angry when they were at a battlefront. And even Saul discounted David when he was wanting to like attack Goliath. All of these people, these voices in David's life and in our lives, they're going to vie for our attention and try to define who we are and define what should come next But what do we need to do? We need to maximize the voice of the Lord. Maximize the voice of the Lord. We need to keep his word ever before us. In Psalm 16, verses 8 and 9, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will dwell securely. When we let God's word be above every other, that's when we begin to rest securely. As he's taking us through this process, we can rest because he's the one who has it all in control. Then we need to minimize the voices of our physical critics, the people who are literally flesh and blood standing next to us, right? Lisa Turker says, don't let compliments go to your head and don't let criticism go to your heart. It's really easy to let the criticism of others really begin to take root. But we need to trust what God says first. We need to maximize his voice. We also need to minimize the voice of the internal critic, which I would go so far as to say is actually the voice of Satan who's trying to get into your mind and he knows just the perfect words to twist to make you doubt what God is doing, to make you think lesser of other people and we need to battle that with God's word, okay? So we need to, number one, in order to be an effective servant, we need to prioritize God's voice, the right voice. Then number two, we need to prepare in secret, Prepare in secret. Y'all, not everything you do needs applause. And I, I'm, I'm going to say right now, I need this message more than any of you, so I'm preaching to myself as I'm saying this. But we need to not be concerned about the applause of men. So here we go. 1 Samuel 17, verses 34 through 37. I'm going to take another sip of water. But David said to Saul, "'Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep.'" When a lion or bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its terror, struck it and killed it. Your servants killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David, coming into this opportunity to beat up Goliath, He was ready, thank you, he was ready and prepared because he had prepared in secret. There was no one out there in the field with him, right? Like, he wasn't killing the bear and everybody was going, good job, David, you killed that bear, you go, man. He wasn't like Napoleon Dynamite, like, hey, girls like guys who have great skills, you know, nunchuck skills and bow hunting skills. No, David was not concerned about that. No, he just knew God had placed him In this position right now, and whatever God had placed him in right now, that was preparation for whatever was coming next, right? David was just being faithful with the task that God had placed in front of him. In Zechariah chapter 4 verse 10a, it says, do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Whatever's in front of you God is rejoicing to see the work beginning in you. He's rejoicing seeing you just be faithful with what is right there. For David, he embraced the preparation. He was just a shepherd boy, and he had had this instrument that he used to play for the sheep. He was just out in the middle of the field playing the instrument. And because he had been faithful with that instrument, he got to sit before Saul and play for Saul, which calmed him down. And as he was doing that, that actually gave him a bird's-eye view into what would happen in the court of a king. He wasn't king yet, but he was getting an opportunity to see what would come next. And because he had fought off the lion and the bear, he was confident that God had done this in him, that he could then take down Goliath. And as he took down Goliath, it gave the rest of the army an opportunity to see, this kid has guts, and he believes in God. We can follow him. It gave him training as a military leader, which then was awesome and perfect for him as a king later. The process is the purpose. The thing that God is developing in you right now is the whole point. My first job at, like, my first real job as a full-time employee was at the Chapel Grace Lake campus. And when I came in, their printer was really, really old, and so they tasked me with figuring out what printer we would need next I didn't really know, but I did a whole bunch of research and I found the perfect printer for us and our multi-campus thing. And as the Lord was um, moving me into other spheres of influence and along the path, I started working at Torch, which was what Fierce was years ago, and we needed a printer. And I was like, God, you prepared me. I, I know all about what printer we should get because I just did all this research. It seems like small beginnings are silly, But it's the small beginnings that prepare us for the next thing, right? All right. What seems really insignificant is really God preparing you for the next thing because the process is the purpose. Don't get disheartened because you're not there yet. It is all a part of his plan. All right, so if we're going to be effective servants, we need to prioritize the right voice. We got to prepare in secret, and then we need to perform with humility. This one, y'all, is hard for me. It's hard for me and maybe it's hard for you too. We need to recognize that whatever we get to do is a gift from God. It's authority given by him. Not so that we can boast but so that he can get glory. So when we look at Saul again, we're going to look at him for a minute because he did this wrong. And we can learn from what he did wrong. In 1 Samuel 15, 10 through 12, God had said, Hey, uh, Saul, I want you to go in. I want you to completely tear down this nation. And then I want you to uh, wait for Samuel for three days. And Samuel will come. And he will uh, offer sacrifices to God for coming and rescuing you guys through this battle. All right? So that's what was supposed to happen. Instead, 1 Samuel 15, verse 10 through 12. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel Here's what God says about Saul. I'm grieved that I made Saul king because he has turned away from and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was troubled and cried out to the Lord all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, Saul's gone up to Carmel. There he set up a monument to his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. Saul got off track. He forgot that it was the Lord leading him in this battle. It was the Lord fighting for him. It was the Lord that had done all these things and gave them victory. And it was the Lord in Samuel who was supposed to offer this sacrifice. Instead, Saul was like, it's all about me. I'm the king. I should be able to do whatever I want, right? Like I've been given authority. I can do it. No. Because of Saul's arrogance and pride, God was like, dude. You totally bit it. That's not what you were supposed to do. I have to sit you down. You can't lead my people if you can't obey my word. Right? Let's look at this. Proverbs 18:12, it says, Before his downfall, a person's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. If you want to be raised up, you gotta be humble, right? Proverbs 11, 2, it says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. The Lord's been highlighting that word disgrace to me every once in a while. And as I'm seeing it, I'm t- I literally take the word apart, and I have dis, and I have grace. Dis, anti, unlike, no, grace. When we see the throne of our lives, and God is there, and we say, you know what, God. I think I got it. I don't need you. Here, you get up off that throne. I'm going to sit down in the throne of my life, and I'm going to be in charge. I'm proud I can do this. God says, listen, I have to remove my hand of grace from you. There is no longer grace over you in this circumstance because you just took me off the throne, and that's my spot. I can't move in you unless you get off of that throne and let me lead. Pride removes grace from our lives. Jesus was the greatest example of humility that we will ever see. And even though he was fully God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. Charles Spurgeon says this, Jesus is the great teacher of loneliness of heart. We need daily to learn of him. See the master taking a towel and washing his disciples' feet? Follower of Christ. Wilt thou not humble thyself? See him as the servant of servants. And surely thou canst not be proud. Is not this sentence the compendium of his biography? He humbled himself. We can look at Jesus and we can see he was the servant of servants. He was the king, and yet he got down and washed the feet of his disciples. The king of heaven got down and washed feet. What better example of humility to lower yourself and wash the dirtiest part of people in that time? We need to be humble. Let's follow Jesus. In Philippians 2, 13, in the Amplified Version, it says, this is so good, ready? It says, for it is not your strength, but it is God.'" who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work. That is, he's strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. It's all him working through you. And that, when we really think about it like that, it writes our minds to really perform with humility. All right, here we go. We're almost done. You ready? Number four... I put three fingers up, but we're going to move on to four. We're going to pursue wisdom as essential. We're going to pursue wisdom as essential. We're going to seek the Lord and ask what he wants, not hoping for an answer to just this one circumstance, but searching for wisdom himself so that we can be better at making all decisions. When we trust God and we walk with him step by step, his wisdom is imparted to us So that we can do the thing that he has for us next. In Proverbs 4 verse 7 through 9 it says wisdom is supreme. It's supreme. Therefore get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she'll exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head. And present you with a crown of splendor. When we embrace wisdom, when we pursue wisdom, God remains on the throne and his grace is like a crown on our head because that is trusting in his leadership over our lives. King Saul, he ignored the wisdom of Samuel and what did it get him? It lost him, his role as king. But David, he leaned in to Samuel's leadership and he asked Nathan, the next prophet, what should I do about this? He leaned into wisdom. He looked at it as essential. I can't move forward until I ask God what he wants to do. Wisdom for us, y'all, it comes through God's word. Number one way, it absolutely comes through God's word. This is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, dividing joint and marrow. This is what is important for us to know. Then it's praying. It's sitting down with God. It's asking him, slowing down and getting still to, to hear what he wants to say to us. Then it's listening to some people around us who you know they're in God's word, and they may have something from God's word, a little nugget of wisdom that you need. And at the very last, it's a book. I I have this problem. I generally, when I want to know something, I instantly reach for a book. And books are good. This is better. This is better. That's right. God's word is better. God's word is truth. It is the thing we can anchor ourselves to. We need to pursue wisdom as essential. It's so important, y'all. I want to end on this. David, he's king, and he's looking all around, and he's seeing, man, God has really established my steps. He's really done this incredible thing in me, and I'm just astonished, and so in 2 Samuel chapter 7, he has this prayer of thanksgiving, and I want to read it to you. He says, who am I, Lord, and what is my house? that you've brought me this far. What you have done so far was just a little thing to you, Lord God, for you have also spoken about your servant's house in the distant future. And this is a revelation for mankind, Lord God. What more can David say to you? You know your servant, Lord God, because of your word and according to your will, you have revealed all these great things to your servant. This is why you are great, Lord God. There is no one like you, and there's no God beside you, as all we have heard confirms it. And who is like your people Israel? God came to one nation on earth in order to redeem a people for himself, to make a name for himself, and to perform for them great and awesome acts, dividing, driving out nations and their gods before your people you redeemed for yourself from Egypt. You established your people Israel to be your own people forever and you Lord have become their God now Lord fulfill the promise forever that you have made to your servant and his house do as you have promised so that your name will be exalted when it is said the Lord of armies is God over Israel the house of your servant David will be established before you Since you, Lord of armies, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant when you said, I'll build a house for you. Therefore, your servant has found the courage to pray this prayer to you. Lord God, you are God. And your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now please bless your servant's house so that it will continue before you forever. For you, Lord God, have spoken. And with your blessing, your servant's house will be blessed forever. David saw what God was doing. He recognized it was nothing of his own works that established his plans, that established his feet, that established his kingship for the rest of forever. And he took a moment and he just praised God. Like that song, Gratitude, he just determined in his heart, I'm going to praise you. My goodness, you are incredible. Thank you, God. And later in Acts, chapter 13, verse 21 through 23, it says, then they asked for a king. The Israelite nation, they should have been totally good to just have God as their director, but they asked for a king. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. And after removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be what? a man after my own heart who will carry out my will. And from this man's descendants, as he promised, God brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus. When we carry out what God is doing in us, when we lean into him through the process, and we realize that that is the purpose of our lives, it points to Jesus ultimately. We're gonna move now into a time of communion. If you didn't get a chance to grab one of the communion cups, they're right outside in the hallway on the little tables. You can head out there and grab one of those in a second. Before we take this, I just wanna take a minute and I wanna pause and I wanna get still. And I want all of us to ask the question to God, where have I made the purpose about me Where have I abandoned your process? Where have I neglected your wisdom? So go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes and just spend a minute with the Lord asking him. And then ask him for forgiveness for those things. And ask him to come in and wipe you clean from the ways that you have dethroned him in your own pride. Jesus, we thank you for your word and your truth that reveals the ways in which that we have tried to make it all about us. God, we repent. We repent right now for taking you off the throne of our hearts, for thinking that we've got a better plan. And Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would continue to use your word to shape our hearts, God, that we would lean into you through the process, Holy Spirit, to become more like you. God, slough off the things in us that are not of you and that are not bringing you glory. Refine us, Lord, even by fire. In Jesus' name. All right, if you are ready, go ahead and get your communion cup ready. There is a a bottom portion that has the bread. You can get that out. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the cup. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? so holy and we are so not we thank you for humbling we thank you Jesus for speaking to us through your word and reminding us that you do amazing things in secret that you are preparing us in secret that you are working in and through us not as we will but as you will God, help us to lean into your word and to pursue wisdom as essential, to not let go of who you are and what you have to say, but to really anchor ourselves in your truth. And God, all of this, we want to magnify you and minimize ourselves, God. We want to bring you glory and make your name and renown the desire of our hearts. We love you, King Jesus. Amen.
0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible-preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being His witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development-related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on my link in the description to give now or visit Fierce.Church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.